Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey everybody, welcome to Reflections on Brandy Sidoric. I am here, of course, with my partner in crime, Frankie C. Frankie C, what up, girl? What up? How's it going, Dave? Oh, it's good, man. Some good news today. Had a little cut come out, so kind of excited. Yay! Yeah, it's always nice to get a cut, isn't it? And so today, this morning, uh, a younger artist in uh, down in Nashville there named Cat Flint released a song called Easy. And um, it's cool. It really turned out well. We wrote it, me and uh, my co-writer, Andrew Peebles, who's uh, originally from Canada, but he's he's in Nash now permanently. He, me, him, Cat, and her friend Katie Musacchio, we all kind of sat down for the first time. It was kind of cool because it was like the first time we all met and then the first time we wrote, and then it turned into a cut. And it ended up a cut. Yeah, yes. add it up. Chalk it up to the cuts. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and so for those listeners out there, you can always check it out on uh, on all of the streaming platforms. Have you been up to anything super cool or interesting lately? I got to go to the Bluebird Cafe this yes. week. Who was playing? So that was exciting. It was Chick Singer Night, Emily Shackleton, and oh, yeah. guests. and. Nice. Um, everybody was incredible. I find Emily so inspiring. She had yes. a lot of words about how for some people it's a 10-year town, for some people it's a 20-year town. She just kind of chronicled her journey of right. how when she first got here, she was saying, oh, this is going to be a two-year town for me, uh, naively. And then after two years of, of nothing happening, she decided, okay, four years. <laughs> and then you know nothing happened, and she decided, okay, seven years. And and it really did. It, it took a long time, a long time of hustling for her to to finally get you know some of those really cool cuts and um, the Carly Pierce song yeah, that was Carly the one Pierce that one. broke her. Yeah, yep. she works um, a lot with uh, Victoria Banks and Phil Barton. I think they all kind of work together. And Victoria's a I know I'm friends with her a little bit, and she's a good Canadian girl. But I've, I that's how I've seen her. I've seen her at, like the listening room and stuff. She's great, man. I love I love her voice. I love the way she writes and stuff. Yeah, she seems really supportive of up and coming writers in that sense. Yeah. Like she she's familiar with the journey and the process and um just wants to do it seems like what she can to highlight great songs. And so, you know, she brought in different people to the round and they all had amazing, beautiful songs and the Bluebird is a magical place. It is. You can cut the magical tension in the room with a knife every That's time. Right. So yeah, I feel re-inspired and I was really happy to get to go. What led you to go to this? Like, cause the Bluebird's so hard to get into. And it's like, you know, like it's so funny for all of us who are like in the industry. It's like feel like, oh my God, I'm not gonna line up for the Bluebird. It's almost like you gotta wait till like tickets fall in your lap. 
Right. No, we we lined up. We I wow. had a friend visiting from England, oh, and okay. this was sort of her only opportunity. So we yeah. figured, okay, okay, well, let's just do it. Let's just get in the line. Yeah, that's so. Fair. It worked out. There had been a private event there before the gig, so the line wasn't long. There weren't that many people in the building. It was actually fairly easy to get in this time, oh, but cool. we lucked out. You know, there's been times in the past where I wasn't so lucky. So no, I know. What did they your put friend, those uh... tickets on sale two weeks prior to each show, and you have to click the button at 8 a.m. the second the tickets go on sale, and even then... There is no guarantee that you will get it. More often than not, you won't. So that's your tip for any listeners that want to try to get into the Bluebird. Hustle. You just got to be on it. <laughs> you got to be on it. How long did you wait in line then in the end? Like from when you showed up to when you got in? An hour and a half. Oh, wow. That's that's still quite a bit. I'd be like, I, I would do shifts where it's like, okay, you stay here. I'm going to go to the pub across the street and then I'll come back and you can go to the pub. Right. That would have been the smart way to do it. <laughs> you know? Good way to do it. What did your friend think of it all after their experience? She loved it. And and it, it were, turned out that a lot of the writers there um, played in the UK a lot. Oh. And so she was excited that, you know, some of them had songs she had recognized. Oh, wow. Um, you know, people that play at festivals that she goes to frequently. So she came as a spectator and left as a fan. That's great. So. Well, that's that is what the Bluebird should be all about, isn't it? Did she it get is. to meet any of them? Did she get to talk to any of them, or how was like? Because sometimes you can kind of mingle and schmingle a little bit afterwards. Yeah, I, I didn't really get a chance. You know, I got to say hi, you know, quickly. Yeah. Um, but that was that was sort of it. It is you're. I mean, you're so close. You're right next yeah. to the the people. Nothing, you know, the at sense. one point the writers just turned around and were chatting with us because you're sitting, you know, one chair behind them i love i i have to say i know it's like it's such a love-hate thing with the bluebird because on one hand it is magic and it's every time you walk in you're like this is awesome like you're just there and you're all crammed in and then but then on other days i'm like it's such it's become such a tourist thing that that many of us in the industry have such a hard time getting in or don't want to go because of it but at the end of the day like kind of like what you you've explained explained to everyone is that when you leave there you're just like oh yeah it's still it's still the that's why bird. we go. That's why we go. <laughs> that's why it's magical. And it, it is. And the intimacy is the, the thing. Because, like, you, you know, we go to the listening room and it's like, it's cool. But it, you don't leave the listening room like, oh, my God. I mean, some days, I guess you do, depending on who the writers are. But the Bluebird for me, like, is really like there's an energy that you f- almost feel like you've soaked up a bit as as you leave the room, especially if you're in the industry and you're you're grinding like we are. The pin drop silence in there. I know. Is you know, it, it's quiet in rooms like the listening room and stuff like that, but it doesn't get any quieter than the Bluebird. No, I know. And it, food, it's rare f- to be in a room where 50 people are dead silent. Especially when whoever's like on the mic then plays like a song that everybody knows, you know, like, yeah. a, like a classic. Like the last time I was at the Bluebird, it was Megan Barker, who's a, a good friend of mine. Friend of yours and guest of the podcast. Yes. Right. She was playing and one of the the songwriters was the guy who wrote Tim McGraw's Everywhere. It's It was an epic McGraw song from the 90s. And he starts playing it on the piano. And I was it, literally like the whole room was sucked into this like moment because everyone in there like knew that that old school kind of McGraw stuff. And anyways, I did too. And it was a real, real treat to see it. Do you know uh, what and who is everywhere these days? I bet you you can guess, but it's Taylor Swift, as we know, right? And one of the interesting things about Taylor Swift is that she just released a couple weeks ago her Taylor's version of 1989, right? 
It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> it's I, so okay, good. it's so good. But I wish Max Martin had produced on it. I don't mind. Really? Yeah, I don't. I actually really liked the direction that some of the productions went in. Like they kept the integrity of the original recordings, but they definitely did. Yeah, they felt bigger. Oh, like almost cinematic in a way at some points. And then also her vocal delivery, like because she's a little bit older, there was more character in her voice. I think so too. Um, what I thought was funny was the one that I didn't feel like stood up when it was re-recorded was Shake It Off. Yeah. You could almost feel like there was this sense of, I don't want to record this song again. Yeah, Like going on in the recording. <laughs> yeah, like she's just so much more mature than the Shake It Off days that it's, it feels like goofy almost. It's like, but man, those all, all the other ones, uh, yeah, turned out great. I know, and I, and I did not miss Max Martin. And you know what? We did not talk about last week was the fact that out of all of the Billboard, is it uh, top ten best pop songs of pop all songs. times? Yeah, yeah. They did not put a Taylor Swift song. But man, and now that I'm realizing this, how do you decide what the best I'm one is? Livid. <laughs> <laughs> right how how would you decide like, there's so many to choose from do you like, just how like you do pick? you just put taylor swift and you don't even put a song it's like insert like the swifties are so hardcore about their song that's almost like a dangerous thing that to, it, would, to cre- it elevate. would create so much i know man. drama but you're right i mean t swift is such an icon now and she's changed music in so many ways that that had to be put on there and in fact here's an interesting way how she did change how she's changing music because recently what's come out is labels are now renegotiating deals with their artists in terms of the ability for the artists to re-record their material. So in traditionally, the deal would be you sign with a label and there's like about a two to five year, maybe seven year max sort of um, uh, period where you're not allowed to re-record anything, right? And for obvious reasons, right? The label's like, we've invested all this money in this song. We don't want you releasing stuff that competes with our stuff. But because Taylor's versions are doing so well, the major labels are going back to artists and they're trying to renegotiate for like 10 years, 15 years. And apparently there was a deal. They wouldn't say who the artist was. 30 years. So the labels are now like making it so that like there's no way that there would be a blank version, a you know, Marin version or whatever ever released uh, to compete with them because Taylor's versions are not only doing well streaming, but radio is playing her versions, not the old ones. It's it's such a negative impact in so many ways, like for artists and for any artist out there that is potentially signing a deal, like be aware of be aware. a potential clause that could happen like this because You know, when you think about just covering a song, Mm -hmm. you know, after writers give up the right of first use, where they say, okay, this person, this artist can record the song first, once it's in that medium and it's been recorded, anyone's allowed to record it. They just have to pay the royalties Mm -hmm. to the original writers. So it's hard for me to wrap my mind around the fact that potentially as an artist, if, if, if I sign one of those deals, then I would never have the right or for 30 years potentially wouldn't have the right to re-record my song, but anyone in the world could. Yeah, that's exactly it. Right. Like, so, you know, you sign a label deal and you make a big hit. Ed Sheeran can go and cover it and make it another big hit. And you make the money off the writing, what little writing you probably have. Cause the pub, the, the label deal probably took a lot of your pub anyways, but 
that you're right. Then, you know, all these other people can be recording those songs, but you yourself can never sort of, uh, I mean, I'm sure you could with permission from the label, but effectively, yeah, you're not allowed to do it. I also wonder if it's like as your artist name or if it's like your name and likeliness. Like, so if they weren't allowing an artist to potentially record it for 30 years, it's like, all right, change one letter of my name and release it as a different artist name. True. Right. Like, Gar- like, <laughs> like Garth Brooks, like Chris Gaines or something like that, where you get an alter ego and drop some. Drop I imagine some they're crafting the verbiage. So that's not, wouldn't be possible either. Yeah. But right. I, I just, I think that that's ridiculous. And I think that, um, mm-hmm. that is, it's, it's overstepping the lines on what a label is supposed to be able to capitalize with an artist. Yeah, like, yes, you can capitalize on the recordings that you invest in and you pay for. But at the end of the day, the song itself should be able to be recorded and re-recorded by anyone. That's what's in the best interest of the songwriters. I know, but um, so anyways, that's not I, how labels don't operate on the ethical level. They operate on the money level, right? So I mean, I mean, we well, could, it's up to us to make sure we pay attention to that stuff. You, you got know? it. Yeah, it, that's very true. Because if we don't, and it becomes a standard, then it be, because it's written into so many contracts that people just let it be a thing. You yeah. know, then it's a problem. Yeah, and you know what? The problems don't end there because here is another bit of news which is very... Yeah, exactly. This is not fun for the songwriters. So, Spotify has been recently approaching major labels. So, first of all, let's just say Spotify, you know, historically, notoriously low payouts on streams, right? Right. So, Spotify is trying to change their streaming model. And let me explain how this goes just for the listeners out there who don't know. So, while while we talk about streaming like royalties per stream we don't get we don't actually get a, pers- a a you know a price per stream what we do as writers is we get a percentage of the royalty pool for that time period and there's this super complicated super shadowy super no one knows what it is formula that decides how much of the royalty pool you get based on how many streams algorithm. you got yeah the algorithm it's, uh, I it's hate crazy that word. so it's like it's basically like <laughs> look, I'll break it down for the listeners basically if if there's 100 streams in that royalty period and you had one of those streams let's say you get x amount of dollars now in the next royalty period if all of a sudden there's 200 total streams and you have one of those streams you get x amount of dollars so the amount of the 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 price per stream is always being adjusted based on how many total streams there are now here is what's happening ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Spotify is going to major labels to try to propose a new system where you have to meet a minimum percentage of streams in that streaming pool, in that that period, to qualify for monetization. Meaning, if you are an artist, and let's say, and it, the, the percentage they're throwing around right now is called 0.5% of the royalty pool. So let's say you're an artist and you have 50,000 streams in that royalty period, right? The payout period. But that is only 0.3% of the royalty pool. 
under this new model that they're proposing, you would not be paid at all for those 50,000 streams. And Spotify is basically saying, look, there's too many. So Spotify's angle is there's too many um, ambient noise tracks and like like 30 seconds of birds chirping that people yeah. are like spinning. Silence. And it's, it's, totally. Exactly. That's getting like millions of streams. And they want to they want to cut down on that. They also want to cut down on a lot of the more like sketchy songs that get uploaded, like let's say samples that haven't been cleared or covers that haven't been cleared, things like that. So that's their proposition. But the major labels will, of course, be on board because what that basically means is that's like a huge let's that's all like from independent artists, you know, if we're getting 50,000, 100,000 streams, even like half a million streams, that basically limits the amount that those independent artists can be monetized and increases the amount of money that goes to the signed artists who are with these labels. So effectively, for a lot of artists out there, if this model gets implemented and your 50,000 streams don't meet that minimum threshold, then you will not be paid at all. Those will not qualify for monetized streams. So it's just like it's a it's a it's a messed up system that they're proposing. And of course, the major labels are going to agree to it because what this means is all of the money that would have you know filtered down to the the very bottom of the sort of monetized world, all that money now goes back up top to the artists that are getting mega streams, the artists that are signed. So this is a big like big win for the major labels and a way for Spotify to sort of like basically get rid of the the bottom tier of of payouts and sort of make it easier on them to have to distribute. It's a it's a scary proposition. Yeah, I mean it it feels kind of like what you know the is done by the PROs in the sense that instead of just getting paid each time a song is played, it's more a mathematical equation right. about, you know, where and when the people and, and all this stuff. And so, you know, if you don't meet a certain threshold, you just don't get paid at all, Yeah, which is, you know, interesting because I think we live in an era where we could just keep track of those things. Yes. Um, you know, digitally, there's so many ways to just yeah, be able yeah. to add up the number and yep. just have this is the actual number. Yep. Um, but with, I guess my clarifying question with the Spotify thing would be like, okay, so 0.5%. Percent. Yeah. So... 99.5% of artists will still get paid? Yeah, I, I mean, not artists, because it's not being measured by artists, but it's being measured by 99.5% of the royalty mm-hmm. pool will still be distributed to artists. So it doesn't work like... So, I mean, the best way to think about it is like, if they distributed $100 during a royalty period and your streams didn't match what's 0.5%, so 50 cents of that, if your streams didn't come out to 50 cents worth of streams, you just don't get that 50 cents. And that 50 cents goes back to the 99.5% that that does. So it's like, it's basically imagine taking like the pennies that are going to the very bottom people in the royalty distribution and then taking those pennies and moving them back to the top and, and giving them to the people that are already making a bunch of money. Because like the whole, the problem with the Spotify algorithm and system is like, if Drake gets, if Drake drops a new album or a new single, right? Drake will get 10, 20 million streams. That means like that messes with how much a stream now costs because Drake now, because his streams have, are now such a larger percentage of the royalty pool now, because his streams take up so much of that royalty pool, Drake's 20 million streams they're worth a lot per stream, but you know, artist X who has 
50,000 streams, their streams are worth a lot less. And this is the whole problem with Spotify is no stream is equal. No stream is worth the same as other streams. If you have millions and millions and millions of streams, meaning you have a larger percentage of the streaming pool for that period, your individual streams are worth more than if you have less of those streams. And that's why this, this algorithm is so confusing for people because we'll say like 0.0001% per stream, but that just depends on how many people are streaming what during that period and who's getting most of the streams. Like Taylor Swift's 1989, right? That drops. She's taking up a huge chunk of the total streams that are being streamed in that period. And her per stream payout is much higher than other artists who don't have that big chunk. I mean, what it's, what I'm taking away from this is if you're an independent artist who's potentially trying to meet that minimum threshold, you're trying to meet a moving target. Yes, that's exactly right. There's really no set, hey, if you get about this many streams, you'll be in the pool. No, nope. there's really no actual there's number exactly. to know. And then if a, if a Drake drops a single that moving target goes up. It gets harder to get to that because all of a sudden there's more streams coming, right? Like there's there's an in increase in the amount of streaming. So if a if a really hot big artist like Swift or Drake or others drop something, then all of a sudden that moving target gets higher and harder to hit. You know, one thing that it will really help with is is getting rid of bots yes. and fake streaming promotion services, which will be just I think that will be helpful for everyone in general. Yeah. Um I mean, it really is about connecting with real people at the yep. end of the day. So, no, totally if, right. you know, they're able to kind of remove a lot of that stuff. And there is a lot of noise on the app. I just want to know how much noise there is because I want to know, you know, and, and I'm sure any independent or artist that's getting started out would want to know if they're going to meet that threshold. And yes. it just sounds like there's really no way to know. That's well, that's this whole problem. It's all it's all it's all shrouded, right? We're like, and it's, it's, this is what bugs me, I guess, also is that Spotify is just not transparent, but it sounds like they're very transparent with the major labels. It doesn't sound like they're transparent with like, you know, like David Israelite's organization, like the NMPA or like our PROs. It doesn't sound like they're like saying, here is the formula. Here's what we're thinking. Everyone's just guessing at it. But you know, for a fact, you know, for a fucking fact that Warner and Sony have every piece of information available, every metric, every formula, every algorithm. You know they have that all in front of them. Yeah, maybe. Get angry about that. I just, yeah, we're, we're pissed now. Well, I just, and I, I, I'm with you because I do like the idea of trimming the bots, trimming the ambient noises. Like that's not music. That shouldn't be, that shouldn't factor in. And so maybe just But there's your, other ways to do that. Like, you totally. know. I, are there? I don't know. Maybe. Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe that stuff just doesn't shouldn't warrant royalties. I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I, I it's hard because I'm not. That's not a world I even know anything about. But math. Me, yeah. <laughs> I'm a songwriter, not a mathematician. Yeah, exactly, dude. <laughs> and and here's the thing. And let let me just look at it from a quick other angle before I before we move on. But maybe trimming all that fat will actually allow for independent artists to actually earn a bit more as well. So maybe like, here's an example, maybe ambient noise takes up 5% of the royalty pool. So all of a sudden, maybe when that ambient noise is taken out, then that's all of a sudden more opportunities for independent artists to earn a bit more of that royalty pool, right? Because if you remove, let's say you take out 20 million streams from that period, well, then all of a sudden your single stream or increases in value based on the Spotify model. So maybe trimming the fat will actually help everyone too. I don't know. And remember, for our listeners out there, this hasn't gone through yet, but Spotify is just in discussion. So this is an interesting kind of ongoing uh, issue, and it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. 
on today's episode of Everybody Sucks, Spotify sucks. <laughs> yeah, I know. God, we could go on for <laughs> This is why we want David Israelite on the show to talk about all this stuff. But Come on, David. Oh, uh, no. Let's, hey, let's, let's talk about something bright and beautiful and lovely and fun. Brandy. Brandy. My dear friend. My dear, dear, dear friend. Who I feel like she kind of becomes a dear friend with everybody that she meets. Oh, yes. Now She's now a friend to everyone who's heard this interview. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. And you know, it's so funny. And this is like not so much the interview, but Brandy, she's always been coming. She's going down to Nashville for so long. She's such a great songwriter, such a grinder, such a great bass player, singer, etc. And I remember I introduced, I, I believe, and, and please forgive me, Brandy, if I got this wrong, but I believe I introduced her to Tommy, Tom Pino. And her and Tom become fast friends. And then like, I think she meets you through Tom and then, and then John yeah. Frank and like, so like, and now she goes down and you guys are all hanging out together. And, like get these photos all the time of you guys having all those good times. And I'm like, Oh, I miss you guys. We stole so your friend, Dave. I know. We stole your friend. She, but she's, cause she's so stealable because she's she is. Such, she's such a fun person to be around. She's so positive. She's such a great artist. You know, her energy is just stuff you want to really be a part of. There was something from her episode that she said that really just struck me because I think it's a feeling that a lot of artists go through, not just at one point, but at many points. And it was the story where she described standing in the bathroom at the airport. Oh, yeah. Having lost her bag and crying about, you know, how music do doesn't want me. Music oh, doesn't music doesn't want me. You know, maybe I should just do something else. And um it's so, it's a feeling that is so embedded in the hustle often. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a feeling that I just think we've all been there. And yeah. it's inspiring to hear that feeling. And this is the whole point of Everybody Sucks. But it's inspiring to hear somebody explain that feeling who has had a lot of really, really cool triumphs and successes. Yeah. Because it makes you feel like... It doesn't matter, you know, the level of success that anyone's at. We've all felt this way. We've all been there. And so I just thought that how open and honest she was about those feelings um, made her interview very inspiring. Yeah. And it's like you said, I feel like the whole point of what we do here, that interview encapsulated it. Like yes. the challenges, the challenges that she still faces. You know, she talks a lot about she's in an all female band in country music where women, the women in the band play their own instruments. You know, you got a shredding lead guitarist, like Tara is like incredible. And then, and, and, you know, you, you, you drums and banjo and bass and, and, and like Chris on the drums and Katie on the banjo and, and they're not just playing those for show. They're playing those for dough, you know, like they play those <laughs> instruments, you know, like, and that's, that's the truth, man. And, and I, I think that we're in an industry that it's so much harder for women, especially women who play their own instruments. I think it's a, it's a harder industry to, to carve out that, that sort of space for you to be like, yeah, I, yeah, of course you play your own instruments. I mean, like, yeah, like Bra she Brandy said that could. they, she said that they went to their show holding their instruments to yeah. load in. And the guy said, where's the band? I know, man. <laughs> like, it's and, like and, so funny to me. But, <laughs> I know it's 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 actually not funny, but it's it, funny. No, no, it's like it, if it wasn't so funny, it'd be it'd be sad. Funny because it's ridiculous. I know, I know. And so you know, and there those those girls have all been overcoming a lot of this stuff and carving out their niche. Because Nice Horse, 
you know, they're they're a niche. They're they're in the sense of sorry, they're not a niche band, but they're like they've carved a niche for themselves where they're like there's nobody like them. There's nobody like them. Like like you could scour North American country music and you would not find a nice horse anywhere. You'd find a bunch of bad horses. <laughs> not a nice <laughs> one. Not a nice one. <laughs> but honestly, they're just so interesting in that, you know, and there's like there's a Dixie Chicks element or the Chicks element to it that uh is kind of cool, right? Like very accomplished instrumentalists, great singers, all can write songs. Like it's just there's something really rad about that, you know, and I'm I'm really excited because, you know, they're they're they've been waiting for a couple years now to release new material you know they've been going through some some label issues and stuff like that now they've kind of got it on track and they just dropped their their latest single it's awesome and this is the beginning of a lot of exciting things for them and i'm so excited that we got to sort of like listen to brandy talk about the journey and then like be there as the sort of shuttle launches from from the base into into the sky and we get to watch it sort of fly yeah, and if and if any of you listeners didn't get a chance to listen to things I wish I didn't know, mm-hmm. their single, their most recent single, um, at the end of the podcast, go stream it. Yep. Go get we'll, those Spotify ninety fifth yeah. percentile get, up for get them. them. Get put them it on into repeat. that royalty pool. <laughs> <laughs> get them into that royalty pool. <laughs> oh, that's so good. We'll put a link. We'll put a link to the song uh, in the show notes as well. And of course, you got to follow us on Instagram because we always tag music in our posts, and we will be tagging that as well. We love Brandy. We loved the interview. We appreciate Brandy coming on and being so honest. Uh, it really was uh, one of our favorite um, chats. And, and, you know, we get to see her all the time, too. So that's always a, a bonus as well. Exactly. And for those of you out there in podcast land, thank you for listening. I'm David Boris. And I'm Frankie C. And remember, everybody, everybody sucks. sucks.